But uh, I want us to turn in our Bibles to this, this morning to Leviticus chapter 23. Now, a lot of times, uh, if, you've, if you're like me, you may be growing up in church. You haven't heard a lot of messages out of the book of Leviticus. It's not to say that I am, I am smart in any way to be able to pull something out of the book of Leviticus. Uh, but uh, we don't often hear passages of Scripture, verses from the book of Leviticus. And uh, as it's been said before, the entire Bible is, in, is the inspired Word of God. Amen? It is. Some verses are just a little bit more inspiring to us than the others. Uh, you may not find a good, that good quote for today to, to uh, post on social media out of the book of Leviticus. Uh, but the book of Leviticus is there for a reason, and there's a lot of great things that we can uh, see from that. And I want to, uh, I know Brother Jake has just prayed for us, and I want to pray again, but I want to pray in such a way this morning uh, that maybe it, I mean, every, every time that someone stands behind the pulpit or, or reads from God's Word, it, it is a time that we should really consider, and it's a very important time. Um, and so, very much true, just, just as true this morning, I want us to just, as we go to the Lord in prayer, to make sure that our hearts are ready to receive a word from God. I know our time of worship is, is a time to, yes, to get us ready, per se, for worship, but it's also just a time in worship just to, just to just praise Him and just thank Him for who He is. But when we read God's Word, it is a time for us to really allow God to just speak truth to our hearts. That's why for us, for me and for Brother Jake, I know the same thing is true for Brother Richard, when we present God's Word, we want God's Word to be able to speak to your heart in such a way uh, that, that you will leave changed, you will leave different. Because like I said, God wants to speak with you. We, as a, when it comes to, as far as Crosspoint, and I know I said I'm going to pray, I'm going to get back to it. But as far as Crosspoint, uh, I've told you this before, we have gone through a journey through the book of Acts. And as we, as, as, um, we have been here uh, at Northside, we've kind of taken a break from that. But this morning, we're actually getting back on track, not in the book of Acts, but at the beginning of the year when we set out our preaching uh, calendar, we had set a time that we were going to look at the seven feasts out of the book of Leviticus. And so uh, I didn't know where we would be at August the 5th uh, when we would first open up and read about these, first, these feasts in the book of Leviticus, but the Lord did. Amen? The Lord did. And so I just want to be faithful to what God had not only put on my heart for this morning, but also put on my heart, and I didn't even know it, but uh, about eight months or so ago, as far as for us to look into and dive into. So this will be a new series that we'll get into, looking at these seven feasts over the next few weeks, and then we'll get right back into the book of Acts, in case you're, hopefully you're following along and paying attention. Okay? But let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. Lord, I just want to especially ask, that we would come into this time, each individual in this room this morning, would just take a hard look at ourselves and say, Lord, it's, it's not my neighbor, it's not my brother, it's not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Standing in the need of needing to hear a word from you this morning. Lord, we're not like you. Lord, we, we are not perfect in any shape or form. 
We're striving to be like You. In that, Lord God, I pray we would have a humble spirit. I pray we'd have a teachable spirit. I pray our, not only our ears would be open and our hearts would be receptive, Lord God, but we'd be obedient people for You this morning as we receive Your Word. Lord, there's a lot of things in us that need to continue to be rooted out because of our lack of perfection, Lord God, and because of our sin, our daily, daily sin, Lord God. And I pray that as we see ourselves in Your Word, and our, this Word of God reads us this morning, that we would respond accordingly. We love You and we praise You. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's look in Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to look just at the first three verses this morning. And we're going to begin talking about the Feast of the Lord. Like I said, these are very special days, and they're called feasts. I wish I could tell you this morning that over the next seven weeks that we're going to eat every day after church. When we're, we're not. But I, I wish I could provide that for you. And just, uh, you know, when, I, when we think of feast, we're really thinking of uh, getting into a good meal. And, uh, but these were appointed times is what it's really talking about here. And it was called Holy Convocations, okay? Okay? And these were announcements uh, that, that, that we're talking about here. A, a better way to put those two together as far as feasts and holy convocations is an appointed announcement. An appointed announcement that was proclaimed throughout all of the land for people to be able to see and understand. I want us to try to understand and try to grasp this morning that God had get, given Israel a calendar. And that calendar was linked to the rhythm of the seasons and history of the nation of Israel. God had this calendar for them. Um, and then not only did He have this calendar, but it was also tied to the history of the nation of Israel, what God had done for them. But it was also as far as what was God going to do for the nation of Israel as far as in the New Testament. And so when we look at this scripture, it is important to discover this we got to ask ourselves, and this is really our two points this morning if you're taking notes, but what was God telling them? What was God showing them in the Old Testament? What was His instruction to them, and why was He showing this to them? Why was He giving them this, uh, this commandment or this, this law in the Old Testament? And then the second question for us this morning as we're going to look and how it really applies to us is what is it telling us today? Now, I pray that not only just in this morning's message, but in your personal time with the Lord daily, that you would ask those same questions. As you dig into God's Word, where if it, even if it's just a verse or a couple of Scripture or it's an entire chapter, that you wouldn't just race through it, but that you would figure out, you would discover, you would study to see what was it, what was it saying back then, but also how, was it, how is it going to apply to our lives today. And so when we look at this, what was God instructing the nation of Israel? And we look here in these seven feasts. Let's start out in verse 1 of chapter 23. The book of Leviticus says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, The feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. God is saying these are God's feasts. Okay? And on the, on the verse 3 it says, Six days shall work be done. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So we asked this morning, what exactly is the Sabbath? 
And, you know, I, I, I pick on my kids some. Uh, I, I do. I, I pick on them a good bit. And um, last night, I'm not going to really call them out or, or give you all their answers. Uh, but because uh, the reason I ask them is that they've had a lot of Christian education. And uh, I, I test them because I'm also testing their, their former, their past teachers uh, who taught them uh, in school, Jessica Daigle. Uh, and I, I asked them these questions because, you know what, they, they're learning this in their book study. They should know some of, these, some of these answers. But I also do that because I have found in these children that they know sometimes a lot more than the average don't get offended with me this morning. You may not be the average. You may be above average. But the average church member doesn't know the things a lot of the times that we're talking about in church. I even want to be very careful with that uh, this morning. So when I hear from them, when I hear from the mouth of babes, it is uh, very telling sometimes of what they hear from other people and what they kind of assume. And so when you hear from Christians today about what the Sabbath is and how, we, and how it even applies to us today, you will hear all kinds of things. And I, I hope this morning that we clear some of those things up because I believe it is very important and it is a very holy day, but we got to see again how it's going to apply to us uh, in our lives. This was the only feast in these seven that it was not just a yearly feast, okay? Uh, this feast, the Bible tells us that He tells them to honor it every seventh day, which is the Saturday. All the other feasts that we will look at, the rest of them, three are in the fall, yearly. Three are in the spring, yearly. They, they are not something that they were to do every single week. This one was. And it's also not only the, uh, that the, it's listed here in the book of Leviticus, but it was also listed, if you remember correctly, in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. It is your fourth commandment. It is our fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments that God had given to Moses. He said for them to honor the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. This dates back, if you remember, all the way to the book of Genesis, where it was first introduced when God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 when God created the heavens and the earth he created it and if I was asking the kids this morning I guarantee they would get it right not just mine but some of these up here how many days did, did God create the heavens and the earth and it was six days. On the seventh day, he rested. A little trick question this morning. But he did it in six literal days. And on the seventh day, he rested. This, let's make no mistake about it. This was a holy, a sacred. It was a day that was set aside. It was a blessed day. It was a consecrated day. Now, a lot of times that when we look at this and sometimes we want to apply it to us and in, in a way of trying to keep it like they did in the Old Testament, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I want us to understand that by dishonoring this, this day, the book of Numbers chapter 15, verses 32 through 36, I'm, I know I'm throwing out these verses. If you want to get it from me later, you can. Uh, but it was to dishonor it meant death. It was being put to death in order to dishonor this day. And so God gave them on this day, God had given them rest. He had given them refreshment, not only for them personally, but He gave it for their animals and for their land. God did all of this. It was a reminder to Israel. It was a reminder to Israel that they were just simply stewards of God's generous gifts. They were just simply 
the middleman of how God had so blessed them that they were to be a blessing to everyone else around them. It was them taking this time out on the six days how God was blessing their hands and blessing their feet, blessing their land, blessing their, uh, their cattle, blessing everything that they were doing. And it was a time to celebrate all the things, all the blessings that God had given to them. He gave them this uh, them before they even entered into the land of Canaan. Now, I don't want to confuse you this morning. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves uh, in a way of, uh, of losing you. Uh, I don't want to take the whole uh, room this morning for granted. To understand that God, whenever He had tapped His man Abraham on the shoulder, He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Many of us have heard Abraham before in the Bible. And Abraham, he begins, he didn't have any children. God promised him that he was going to have a son in his old age. And through Abraham's children, he was going to make a great nation. We have Abraham, then we have Isaac, his son, and then his son was Jacob. And and from Jacob, God changed his name to Israel. And so Israel had 12 sons. A lot of times you'll hear the the 12 tribes of Israel and you'll hear all these different things. It was because each tribe represented one of Jacob or Israel's sons. Okay, so there was 12 tribes. And so this great nation was just um, millions of people at this particular time. When God takes them, you remember the story of how God takes them out of the land of bondage. They had left this land of Canaan, the promised land. They had gone to Egypt for a time. For years now, they had gone to Egypt and they were slaves there in Egypt. And God raised up this man Moses, didn't he? You remember that? He raises up Moses and Moses is the leader of the nation of Israel. He's God's spokesman. He's the one that you see in verse 1 in this passage of Scripture that he speaks to Moses and Moses goes out there and speaks these words from the Lord to the people. And so when he does this, Moses leads the children of Israel out of that land of bondage and he moves them on to the promised land. And before they get to the promised land, which is modern day Israel, they're making their way and you remember them wandering out in the desert for 40 years. They're just out there wandering. Do you know why they were wandering? Because they were disobedient to the Lord God Himself. And I want to say time out. This This part is not in my notes was so sad for Christians because today should be a day of celebration and our lives should be a day of celebration and trust and wholly depending on the Lord God Himself for answers and for provision and all of these things in our lives. And we can many times, one of the saddest things when we go and attend someone's funeral is to know whether as a Christian or as a person that in the lost world to just wondrously aim out there outside of God's provision and God's protection and to just a saddest thing is when the, the nation of Israel the entire generation died out there in the wilderness. Now I believe that they were actually believers that died out there in the wilderness when the promised land was just a short trip away. And the promised land for us is the picture of an abundant life in the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray we don't miss it by that, by that much. That we would miss the blessings and the provision and the protection that God has for us in His holy land. And so here they are. 
as we read out of the book of Leviticus, that they are in this place of just wandering. And God is giving them some truths. God has given them His law. He's given them some good, clear instruction. And He's telling them some things that you do now, but you also do certain things when you go into the promised land. Because when God is going to hand-deliver them the promised land, do you understand when... I mean, we're, we're not a people that uh, I need to get a little smaller pulpit. You know, this thing just kind of swallows me up. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to... Anyway, we are not a people that have pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. You understand that? That old terminology? We're not that kind of people. Some of us, we, we walk around just really proud and really, really, really thankful of, of who we are. Instead, we have to understand that God is the one that has given us anything that we have. Everything, any blessing, anything that, any good thought, anything that, that is good in our lives is a blessing from, the, from Holy God Himself. We ourselves, our wickedness and our ungodliness, it does not come from us, it comes from the Lord. And so the Lord gives them, hand delivers them the land of promise. The land of Canaan. Now they had to walk through it, but God is the one that fought all of the battles for them. And so for us and for the nation of Israel to stand up proudly and stand up boldly and say, I'm the one that worked hard for these things. It is because of me. It's because of my blood, sweat, and tears. God help us. Because it was God the one that fought all of their battles for them. God is the one that led the way for them. Even when they're wandering out in the desert here in their, in their place of uncertainty of where to go, do you understand that God was so good to them in direction that God would put a fire in the sky by night for them to follow? Just, all you had to do is look up and there it was and that's, how you, that's where you needed to go. And during the daytime, God had a cloud that He would show them that that's all they had to do was just follow God's direction in their life. That's how good God is to us. That's how good God was to them. And so He tells them some things. When you enter into the promised land, this is a couple chapters over. This is actually in the book in, the chap, in chapter 25. Don't turn there this morning. But in the book of Leviticus in chapter 25, it tells them that not only you should honor the Sabbath day weekly, but do you know, I, I wish I would quiz everybody this morning and see some honesty. Do you know that God had also instructed them that they were to have a year Sabbath? a Sabbath year when they entered into the promised land. God had given them a land, as they described it, that was flowing with milk and honey. They were no longer in a desert place that they couldn't do the things, provide for themselves. Now they were in a land that was, that was just flourishing. And God said, you're going to work. You're going to, not all, you're going to work very hard over these six days. And on every seventh day, I want you to rest from your land and from your work to give those things over to the Lord. And he goes, I want you to work that land for six solid years. And on the seventh year, God told him, you can go out there and pick from it. You can go out there and eat. But you are not to work on that year. There was a Sabbath year. And, and, and for them, it was a time where they understood. Let me make sure we understand this. They understood who their landlord was. They understood who their landlord was. That he was in control. He was the one doing all of these things. And he said, trust me in that year. 
Now there's a lot of principles, we'll get to that in just a second, that we can take from this. Also, do you realize and understand that there was also a year of Jubilee? I don't know how many of you have heard that before, but a year of Jubilee that would come every 50th year. Let's talk about this Sabbath year and then we'll get to the good stuff in just a little bit. Every Sabbath year, the debts, if somebody owed you a debt, that you were to cancel that debt according to Deuteronomy 15. This was called the Lord's release. You were to have an open hand, not only cancel your debt to your brother, but you would also to have an open hand to your brother who was in need. He said, even for the poor, he said, the poor will never cease, and you should have a, a wide open hand to the poor. First of all, that could preach right there. That we, we, could, we could close up shop this morning, and that's more truth than we're, than we're obeying right now. That's more truth than we're obeying. Let's just be honest with ourselves. He said, number one, to your brother, cancel the debt every seventh year. If you have, they owe you something, cancel it. It's called the Lord's release. You say, well, you know what? That's not fair. We don't want this morning. I'm getting a little preaching in me this morning. We don't want what we deserve. Thank the Lord for the Lord's release in our, my own life this morning. Amen. Thank the Lord for the Lord's release in your own life. You say, well, well, that person doesn't deserve it. You don't deserve it either. All right? You don't deserve it either. Miss Catherine, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach over you this morning. And you don't worry about it. All right? And so, uh, <laughs> she's cuter than I am though. But anyway, and so, amen. <laughs> the application here was to remind them of God's just blessings that He has given to them for all of this time. Also, that He was reminding them, it was a time for them to remember in this, se this seventh year of God's deliverance that He had given them out of the land of Egypt. That was a big deal. For them to be out of that slavery and bondage now to be in a land that is theirs and it's just so plentiful that it was important for them to stop and remember. You know, right now in my life, I, I try to think about having some faith to, as we describe it, to, to, to move, mountain, move mountains, right? You know, I, I'm praying about a situation in my life and I say, you know what, that's kind of a big deal. But in comparison to salvation, the first day of your new life, nothing will be greater than that hill, that mountain in our life, than salvation. The rest is downhill from salvation. That is the greatest thing for us to get over is ourselves and understand and receive the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. And so when we trust and we deal with the Lord Jesus Christ in that manner, then anything else is just, it doesn't compare. And so for them to be out of the land of Egypt and now into their own land, they needed to remember and thank the Lord. And they needed to be obedient to the command of God. When it's God's way, all of these things, if they were to obey and they would all work and they would do exactly what God wanted them to do, everyone would have been cared for adequately. Even though, yes, they would have been the poor, but it would have been important for them to be able to give at certain times to the poor like they were instructed and they would have the blessings of those things. You say, you know what, that is tough for us to, to do that. It is tough for us to take a year off and just trust God. When God is instructing us to do that, listen, He's never let us down before. He's not going to start letting us down now. We've got to be faithful to the Lord and to be able to just trust Him in that year of being able to just, 
not work and provide for ourselves as the Lord was instructed. I am definitely not telling you this is not in Scripture. Let's just be very clear. I am. Don't go to your boss tomorrow, Matt, uh, since you amen me earlier that she was cuter to me. Uh, don't go to your boss and tell him I need a year off because I'm celebrating a Sabbath year. You, go to, you, don't, you don't pin that on me, okay? But the year of Jubilee, let's move on. The year of Jubilee, it was another year of trust and, and obedience to God. It was a time of repentance. It was a time of release. It was a time of rest and a time of restoration. Now, the reason I say there was a time of repentance, it was a time for Israel to look inside of itself and say, you know what? This was over a 50-year period. Let me explain to you. Every Saturday was the seventh day, was the day of rest. Every six years they would work. On the seventh, they would rest. After seven, stay with me, Sabbath years. After seven Sabbath years, that's 49 years, right? Seven times seven. And then on the 50th year, after the seventh Sabbath, they were to celebrate the year of Jubilee. And so for two years, year 49, every 49th year, every 50th year, they were not allowed to work their land for those entire two years. It was a time of Israel to repent. I would, you would probably want to repent if you got to trust God not to work your land for two straight years. You better repent. You better get right with the Lord, right? And so, first of all, was repentance. The next thing was another release. It was a time of release. Uh, again, from uh, it was it goes into more detail. Uh, again, this is in Leviticus 25 of how they were to release their brother of any kinds of debts and all of these different things. It was a time for them to rest. It was a pause. One, one uh, commentary that I read uh, described it as this. It was like a musician... This morning, these musicians, they took breaks between their notes. It was a time of emphasis when you went back to work. It's not de-emphasizing work. I don't even know if that's a word. It's not, it's not downplaying work. It's when it's appreciating the work and the quality of work for you to take a break and get back to it. You're going, to, you're going to find yourselves working better, working smarter, working even harder in such a way because you'll be refreshed to do so. It was also a time of restoration. God was so concerned with His nation of Israel staying in this confines of their own land that it was a time if you had purchased outside and all these different things that the people would return back to their land. It would return back to them legally. And so God had all of this worked out for them. And this, again, was all in the 50th year. Um, there's, there's no proof. I want us to understand this. You know, sometimes we'll get, we'll get so just uh, worked up as far as, you know what? Okay, you're telling me that on year 49 and year 50, I've got to not work. And we're trying to wrap our minds around it, right? And I can imagine the nation of Israel just really trying to uh, wrap our minds around all of these things. And I get this all the time just being, you know, a pastor. Uh, somebody will say, okay, Garen, do, can I do this? And can I do that? And can I get away with this? And can I get away with that? And, and they'll, they'll try to get all of these questions answered. When I, when I want to say very clearly to them, I know good and well you're not going to obey anything that I say, even if I showed it to you and proved it to you, there's a good chance you're not even going to obey this. 
And so Israel probably contemplated this, right? Year 49, year, year 50. How am I going to not work my land and it provide for me? How am I going to trust God during that time? Do you know that there's no proof that when Israel got into the land of Israel that they actually obeyed these, these uh, year of Jubilee and the Sabbath year? There's no proof that they, that, they, uh, that they obeyed it. And actually, according to 2 Chronicles 36, verse 21, Israel was in exile to Babylon for 70 years, which is equivalent to 500 years of disobedience. When they got into the land versus the, then to the time where they were actually in exile to a neighboring country, the, uh, the, the country and the nation of Babylon, it was a time of 500 years that, that, uh, that they should have uh, obeyed or it was, uh, it was a time of 500 years that they owed to God as far as the Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee. I hope I haven't lost you this morning. But my point is they didn't obey and because of their disobedience... God had allowed them to get into bondage. And it was Him getting back what was rightfully His. He's the landlord. Some of you own property that you lease out to someone or rent out to someone. If they don't pay up, you're going to get it one way or the other from Hopefully. Hopefully the law will fall in your favor. I told you the Lord, this was His land and He was the landlord. He had, given them, he had given them some commandments for them to obey. They disobeyed. The Lord took what was His. Let's understand that God is just. He is just. But Israel, you say, God took from them because they had taken from God. But let's be very clear because this is what we're transitioning to is that Israel really robbed themselves. When we rob from God, we're not... God doesn't need anything that we give to Him. He doesn't really need it. God owns way more than men you could ever give to Him. When we rob from God, we rob ourselves. The joy of sharing with the needy. When they didn't do and cancel that debt or have an open hand to their, to their poor and, and to uh, the people around them, they missed out on the blessing. They did. And so because of all this, they also missed God's provision and God's protection. We, we have it so backwards this morning. We think that we are safe right here in De Quincey, Louisiana versus being in Afghanistan this morning. Let's say North Korea. Whatever one's a hot topic today. When we are in the presence of the Lord and in exactly where God wants us to be, that is where the safe place is. That is where the provision is and that is where the protection is. If we have a soldier this morning that happens to be stationed in one of those places that I just named, and that is exactly where God wanted them to be, no matter in life or death, they are where they're supposed to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where they are safe. If we are here out of the will of God and supposedly safe, that is the most dangerous place for us to be this morning. Amen. All this was promised to them through simple obedience. God just wanted them to be faithful in obedience to them. When we look at the Jews in general, we kind of give them a hard time, right? We kind of give the Jews and the people in the Bible a hard time. Uh, I'm glad, I said this I think last week, I'm glad there's no book of Garen in the Bible. 
And I'm sure you would say the same thing as far as yourself. You would enjoy reading the book of Garen. That would probably be a good comedy hour for you, right? Uh, but you would not want somebody to read all of your faults and failures like we have the privilege of reading of the people in the Old Testament and people in the Bible. We give the Jews a hard time. We give Saul, the Apostle Paul, a hard time whenever he was really religious. And we don't see how he didn't see the Messiah before the Lord blinded him. Stay with me this morning. This is very important. The Pharisees. We kind of give the Pharisees a hard time, right? The Pharisees were just this religious group that just held on to the law and they had even added on to the law and they tried to push that on other people. For us, we get, we get comfortable. Ever since I've been here in Northside, I've parked in the same spot. And if you'd have taken my place this morning, I would have probably been like, man, somebody took my spot this morning. And that's after just five, six weeks. That's just after six weeks. And I'm not giving us a hard time because I just threw myself under the bus. 1,400, this is estimated, and 75 years was from the time of Moses getting the law until the time that Jesus Christ came. These Pharisees, Paul, Simon, I mean, uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, and the Jews of that day, their families and their families and their families and their families and their families, and their families took serious of this law because it was something important for them to hold on to that God instructed to them for over 1,400 years. And so when we give them a hard time when we're reading the Scripture that they were giving Jesus a hard time about holding on to this law, this Sabbath law, we need to be very careful. It was important to them. This was a long time for a group of people, a family celebration. Like I said, it was something that was important and it was something that was sacred. And as we transition to the second point this morning, as far as what God is telling us, let's understand what happened. Once Jesus cried out with a loud voice and He yielded up His Spirit, Matthew 27, 51 says, that the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Amen? The veil was torn, signifying that it was a new day. Signifying that God now had a new covenant with His people. Not only with the nation of Israel, but now for the rest of the world, it was opened up when the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. That is that place, and we'll see this in the next few weeks on the Day of Atonement, that whenever that priest would walk in into that Holy of Holies, that was behind that veil that he would meet with God for the, for the sake of the entire nation. And so when Jesus gave up the ghost and when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that veil signifying from the top to the bottom that God was the one that was breaking that covenant with the nation of Israel and now offering Himself into for the entire world. Hebrews, 8, uh, Hebrews chapter 8 tells us that it was a new covenant that God had made with man. And so as we look forward to this new covenant, I'm thankful that we're in a time of new covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ to give us, us Gentiles, an opportunity to accept and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. The first feast as we see this morning, uh, like I said, was an appointed time. And it was an appointed announcement. And what is it, again, telling us? Let's understand very clear. It's a rest day. It's a rest day. And we need to understand and see what that is. 
If you're like me, many of us don't have time to have a rest day, right? We don't have time for that. I, as I was studying over the last couple of weeks, I was reminded of uh, I was reminded of a of a, a young lady, and it was it happened to be in 2011 on on this was on the the, the great source, the great network of Facebook, all right? And I remember her making this post, and I had to go back and look at it this week to and and I actually found it. And this young lady, a friend, an actual friend, not just say, you know, you know, not everybody on Facebook, let me get off of that, not everybody on Facebook is your friend, right? But anyway, this girl, I actually knew this girl, and she put a post in 2011 that she was bored. She had nothing to do. Now, this is not an 8-year-old girl. This was a 23-year-old young lady at that time. And she stated that she was bored. If you're like me, I wanted to scream. Then I wanted to hand her a list of things that I could get her to do on my behalf. Take some things off my plate. If you're bored, I could find you something to do, right? How many of you could use, some of you younger people in here, how many of you this morning could use a free babysitter or, or somebody to go to the grocery store uh, for you or, or somebody to, to, to just anything, help you mow the lawn. Good gosh, the grass, grass is growing like weeds right now, right? And so all of these things, I wanted to scream at her. Many of us are not like the girl that I described. Many of us are restless. Many of us, are, our wheels are just constantly spinning. They're, they're turning. And uh, we just can't get a hold of what all the things that we have to do. So I want to introduce to us this morning not a law, but a principle of rest that this Sabbath law can give us this morning. Again, God had given Israel a day of rest. They found a way to make it instead of a day of blessing into a day of really a, a day of curse. During the 14 plus, 1400 plus years, I want us to understand that they added, the, 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 the Jews, the Pharisees added 1,521 different ways for you to be able to break that Old Testament law. I don't know if it's just me or sometimes when you trying to live the Christian life and you're trying to live up to other people's expectations, you kind of feel like there's 1,521 things coming after you or coming at you, right? Oh, we got the Sunday morning crew this morning. All of you are just knocking it out of the park, right? Y'all just knocking it out of the park. But for me, whenever I'm trying to do what God wants me to do, and I see my neighbor looking at me, and I see other people looking at me, and I feel the pressure of doing the right thing, it feels like 1,521 uh, things coming at me. It wasn't about, this is not about rules this morning in this new covenant in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's about a relationship with God. When Jesus healed on the Sabbath in Mark 2, 27, Jesus uh, said, man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. God did this for mankind so that they would have a time of rest and celebration back to God. It wasn't the Sabbath wasn't made, man wasn't made for the Sabbath. It was a blessing, it, wasn't, it shouldn't have been a curse. Now for us today, He instructs us to start the week off the right way. He has now given us, instead of the Sabbath day, He has given us the Lord's day. 
We don't celebrate this morning. Uh, some of you may have come in thinking in our minds, in our religious minds sometimes, that today is the Sabbath day. Well, for a couple of reasons that this is not the Sabbath day is because it's not a Saturday. And we don't worship anymore on the Sabbath day. We worship now on the Lord's day, which is the first day of the week. It is the Sunday. Colossians 2, 16 and 17 says, Sabbaths which are a shadow of things to come. Sabbath was a picture of who the Lord Jesus Christ, when He comes, this was going to be a shadow of Him. The Sabbath was. It was a time of seeing what was God going to do in the New Testament when it came to rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus said, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Now, I said a while ago that we shouldn't pick so much on the religious leaders uh, because, you know what, this is a ritual that they had done for such a long time. But here was the Messiah, the promised one, Jesus Christ, the one who the Sabbath was really all about, a, a man of rest, and they missed him. They missed him. And Jesus, like I said, Jesus is the one when He's doing all of these things and all of that, they're giving Him a hard time because they're not accepting Him for who He is. Now I want us to understand why we worship on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week. First of all, we understand that Jesus arose from the dead on the first day of the week. Jesus also shows us in the Gospels that He met His disciples and He commissioned them on the first day of the week. John 20, 22 tells us that Jesus breathed on His disciples and they received the Holy Spirit. And that was also done on the first day of the week. Also, the day of Pentecost fell on the first day of the week. John the Revelator. And you turn to the book of Revelation and you will see that John received this vision from the Lord on the first day of the week, on the Lord's day. Beautiful picture in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. It tells us of the New Testament church and that they're worshiping together. And they did this on the Lord's day. They did it on the first day of the week. In 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, you even see this, this church of Corinth. They're actually giving offering to the Lord on the first day of the week. Many people show their ignorance when they try to place the Old Testament Sabbath rules over us like they are applicable to us today. They aren't. The rules are not applicable for us today. Because if you broke one of those rules, and many of you did, because many of you started your... If today was the Sabbath, many of you started your car and that, that ignition went through that... All of those things that I don't even understand, but you really started a fire and that was breaking one of those Old Testament laws. And you deserve death. So don't try to bring those Old Testament, Old Testament laws to us today when it doesn't apply to us as far as the covenant. But let me make sure you understand this. As I say that, the principles of the Sabbath are very valuable to us today. And so it's not about just the rules uh, anymore, but it's about a relationship and it's about there's good principles for us to pull out. And what does the Bible say to us about how we should obey and follow the Lord's day? Can I go fishing on the Lord's day? Oh, I hear some kids answer me down here. Can I go on vacation on the Lord's day? Can I play baseball on the Lord's day? Can I go dance on the Lord's day as far as kids and their dance? Can I go and eat at a restaurant on the Lord's Day. Lisa and I, 
we were in Monroe. We've been so blessed to be around good, good church people, godly people. I don't want to say church people, but godly people. And I remember us uh, going to one of the deacons' house after church when we were living in Monroe. She was there in pharmacy school, and, and uh, I was on staff at a church in Monroe. And, and uh, one of the deacons, uh, him and his wife, Mike Gulledge is his name. I was trying to remember his wife's name. I, I'm going to say Betty. I don't think that's right. But anyway, uh, we went over to their house after church, and uh, uh, they said, we want you all to come eat with us. And we said, okay, and they instructed us that we were going to their home, and we love a good home-cooked meal. We were hours away from our home, and so we were very thankful to have a good home-cooked meal. And so we go over there to their house, and they, just through conversation, not through them trying to put this on top of us, but they shared with us that they did not believe that they didn't want people to have to work on Sunday. And many of us would say, hey, I, I think so too. You know, I hate that people have to work on Sunday. They hated it so much that they actually took action. They didn't eat out on Sunday. They didn't go to the grocery store on Sunday. They didn't go get gas on Sunday. Because all of those things meant that somebody had to work to, during that time to provide for them. So they would not do any of those things. They would drive to church. They would drive home. They would they'd go to those things. They had gas on, on, Friday, on Saturday. But they would not do those things on Sunday. And so I respected the fact that they had it thought out and that they didn't want to put that on somebody, even though I don't necessarily agree with the, with the, uh, the mindset of those things. But here it is. You ready for the answer? As far as what can we do, what we cannot do on the Lord's Day, and let me give you my answer. It's not my day. And the Bible really doesn't spell out to us what you can and cannot do. And here's my advice to you. Ask Him. Because guess what? It's His day. It's not your day and it's not my day. It's the Lord's day. And so that is the main principle that we can take from this. Let's be clear that even though it's not under the law, it's under now a relationship. Instead of just saying, I know I can't break that law, uh, now I don't want to break the heart of my Father. Now I want to worship Him. It is still a holy day. It's a day out of love though and not out of legalism. It's not just about breaking the, the law. It's about a time of love. He's giving, us this to, giving this to us to celebrate all the things that He has done for us. Every Sunday especially should be Easter Sunday in our minds and our hearts. When we come, we're celebrating all the great and marvelous things that we have been able to experience and all the things that the Lord has done in our lives. It should be an extra special day. And here are some principles that we can live with. Here are some things that will help us out in our lives. Things that God wants from us, for us, it would be better for us if we obey them uh, instead of doing our own thing. We need time out for God. This right here is so important for us to give God, for us to get instruction, for us to be uh, convicted of, in, in our spirit of what God is trying to tell us. We need time out for God through this Lord's Day to be able to celebrate Him, to be able to hear from Him. It needs to be a priority in our lives. People around us see how much it is a priority. It's not so my kids, I can give them this rule, but for them to see that how much I love the Lord Jesus Christ because of how much He has loved me. It should be a, something that I carry on that is very important to me. 
We need to find rest. We need to find rest and, and stability in the promises of God, in the provision of God, in the protection of God in this time of the Lord's day. Life is going to wear on us without time that we need with the Lord. Many of us will say that we don't have time to stop. And I would say to you, we don't have time not to stop for God. We don't have time not to. The, the problem is that we're trying to do, 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 and we can't ever get enough done. And when we stop and give these things over to the Lord, He now gives us the strength to be able to do the things that we're trying to accomplish. And again, it should be a time of celebration. Our bodies need that rest, like the Lord was trying to tell the nation of Israel. It is good for you to rest. It's healthy. It's holy. Many people believe that they, they don't have time, like I said, to stop. Many times our only stop is when we get sick. Sometimes when God will put us flat on our back in, in our bed because we're sick, is the, it's because God's maybe putting us in that situation. Maybe. For us to slow down a little bit. And to, to really be able to seek the Lord during that time. Rest is important. And it also teaches us about working hard when we stop and we give that time to the Lord to go out and begin to work again. It is the same thing when it comes to our, it comes to our tithing. As far as to, I know I don't dwell on this a lot, but in our, in our place of tithing, we say we can get more done with $100 than the $90. You know, it just makes mathematical sense that I could get more done with $100 than I can with $90. Not without the Lord you can. And you can get more done with $90 on, uh, instead of $100 with the Lord because of just being obedient to the Lord and giving to Him as He encourages us and asks us to do than not stopping and giving what is due to the Lord. God, again, is so good to us. This should be a time of celebration. This should be a time of us being overjoyed with all these things. We should be celebrating who He is and what He has done. We should be showing others who He is by us being able to give and love on other people as we have been loved on by the Lord Jesus Christ. God is so good to us. Just like Israel, when I first started out, Israel was a nation that needed to celebrate who God was and it needed to be an open hand to be able to be a blessing to other people. And that is what we should be about today. If the law is telling us about the Sabbath and all the things that they did, you say, well, Garen, I'm not under the law anymore. I'm under grace now. Amen. And thank the Lord for it. But if they were to have an open hand under because the law made them, how much more should we have an open hand and a time of celebration to God when you're not bound to do it, but you're bound by love to do it? And so for us, I want to give... I don't want us to miss the Lord and I'm done. We get so wrapped up in just church life that we miss the Lord. I think about a preacher. I'm going to say these couple things and I promise. Just give me these, this little bit of time. I think about a preacher friend of mine who used to tell this story. And he said he was at a revival meeting. 
And he said uh, they had a great revival meeting and just many people were saved. And one guy that was on staff there at the church, I guess he was in charge of activities or something at the church, and uh, a staff member, like I said. And the revival service was coming to a close and it almost was time for prayer and dismissal. And uh, the pastor said, is there any other things, one last thing before we dismiss? And that man, that staff member said, oh yes, pastor, I have something. And so he runs up and he comes up here and he says, I've been waiting all week to say this. I'm just so excited. But beginning next Tuesday, we're starting stiffy bow classes. And I just, I've been waiting all week to say this. I'm so excited that we're starting stiffy bow classes. I had to look it up to see what stiffy bow classes were, but I, I still don't even quite understand what it is. They met all week for revival. People were saved. And all he cared about was stiffy bow classes. Now, how many times in the life of our church we're more worried about stiffy bow classes than meeting with the Lord Jesus Christ? Another example that I, I thought about even this week in preparation, that there was a very charismatic church that was telling people that when you're in our worship service that many times there would be people walk out of the doors and they would see that there had been little gold dust on their shoulders. Apparently they were dropping it from the ceiling as a place of experience. And a preacher friend of mine told me, we were talking about this story and he said, you know, as we were talking, if you've really been in the presence of the Lord, and you, saw, and you walked out of church and you saw gold dust there, you wouldn't be excited there was gold dust on your shoulder. When you've been in the presence of the Lord, when you've been in the presence of the Lord, and you see gold dust on that shoulder, this is what your attitude would be when you've been in the presence of the Lord. Gold dust. It's nothing. The presence of the Lord is so much more than any superficial thing that we can say. And sometimes we get so mixed up and wrapped up with material things and taste rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. In Mark 3, the religious leaders were so concerned about the Sabbath day. They were so concerned about the Sabbath day. They were looking in to see if Jesus was going to heal this man that his hand was withered away. It was not there. And they were just looking. And Jesus said, on the Sabbath day, would you want evil to be done or good to be done? And they wouldn't answer. Because they didn't want to reveal that they would rather evil be done than good. And Jesus said, okay. Because they were looking. They wanted, to, they wanted to stone him for if he was going to heal this man's withered hand away. Isn't that sad how you miss Jesus and you miss a blessing because you're so worried about a law? And so Jesus says to the man, stretch out your hand. And when the man stretched out his hand, his hand was made whole. And they wanted Jesus killed. They went and started plotting with the Herodians for Jesus to die. Because they were more concerned with protecting an Old Testament law than Jesus being able to heal on the Sabbath day. They missed it all together. 
And Lord, help us that we don't miss Jesus and His goodness and His blessings that He has on us. So as we go out today, may it be a joyful day. Amen? May it be a day of celebration. May we come back next week on the Lord's Day, not out of obligation. Don't you hear that from me when I reach out to you and say, I missed you last week. Don't hear it out of legalism and out of law. Hear it out of love because I wanted to see your face. You bring something to the congregation in celebration of the Lord's Day. Amen? As the band comes up, let's pray. Lord God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank You, Lord God, for all the many, many blessings. I pray today, Lord God, that You have been honored. You have been glorified. I pray as we have come in this morning, uh, Lord, with, with so many things, maybe heavy hearts and, and maybe uh, just so many obstacles that are coming against us, Lord God, I pray You have spoken to our hearts today. And I pray that we would thank You in return. Even things that cut us to the heart. Uh, things that hurt us, Lord God, in this place of examination. I pray we would thank You for loving us and caring for us. Even in a place of maybe chastisement, Lord God. That You, uh, we understand Your love and Your care for us as a child. As a father to a child. And I pray, Lord God, that... Our attitudes as we walk out of this room to, uh, this morning, Lord God, after, after this time of invitation, uh, that it would be a time, Lord, that we would continue to celebrate this day. Even in rest. Even in family around us. And in our place of worship, Lord God, that it would be just an overflow, Lord God, of how good and how awesome and how blessed we are as a people. I pray we would really, all the things that you have done for us on the Lord's day, continue to celebrate it, Lord God. Again, we love you and we praise you. I pray during this time of response that we would just continue to be honest. We would respond however you'd want us to respond, Lord God. It, maybe it's something that we need to get off our chest and, and to come and to speak into one of the, uh, these pastors, Lord God. Or maybe it's praying with someone, Lord God. Or maybe it's just praying there in your seat and just calling out, Lord God. I pray whatever it is, I pray that they were, we would all respond accordingly this morning. You would just have your way during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.